I really just tune into the patient and what they need. I think it's so important not to like make the patient wrong. So if like you're listening and you're interested in getting off birth control or you have already gotten off birth control and you're kind of in this like watch and wait time, you know, it's up to you to determine if you want to investigate this or not. It's not wrong or right. I just think it's important to know what the possible outcomes are and have good resources. So whether you want to start birth control or you whether want to come off birth control, you're just well equipped to know what would be the best thing for you. Welcome back to Whole Mamas Podcast. We're here to give you tools, resources, and evidence-based information so you can make the best decisions for yourself and your family. Whether you're trying to conceive or navigating life with a toddler or a teenager, we've got you covered. I'll quickly introduce myself, my co-host, then we'll dive right into the good stuff. I'm Dr. Ilana Romel, pediatric naturopathic doctor and founder of Nourish Medical Center. My co-host is Stephanie Granke, registered dietitian and program director of Whole30's Whole Mamas Club. Today, we're going to expand on key points that were shared in the last episode, where Steph interviewed Dr. Jolene Brighton. The episode was full of great info, and we're here today to help just organize actionable steps for you so you can really understand what to do. If you're currently taking birth control pills, have in the past, or are interested in starting soon, this episode is a must listen. We will start by sharing our personal experiences and our goal is to really help empower you mamas with trusted tools and insights, how you can navigate this common condition of post-birth control syndrome. Now let's welcome Stephanie to the show and start our popular Nourish Yourself segment. Hi, Ilana. I'm so excited we're going to do this episode together because love her rants. I love all of her knowledge and wisdom that she shares, but it was kind of overwhelming, you know, especially because most of our listeners are either on the birth control pill or have been at some point in their life. And we want to make sure that they feel like they have tools and that we're holding their hand with them along this journey because we're all in it. And we'll talk about that a lot today. I loved the interview stuff. I thought there was so much great insight. And at the same time, I don't want our mama listeners to feel scared if they are taking birth control or, you know, considering taking birth control. This episode, we're really going to help organize to just give them all that tools and resources so that they feel confident and competent in how and why and when to take it and, and what other options they have. I'm really excited to share some of my own insight and to help organize some of Dr. Brighton's um, resources as well. Yeah. And Let's definitely start this off on a positive note by doing our Nourish Yourself segment. Um, So do you want to go first? What did you do today or what are you going to do today to nourish yourself? Sure. So in a few episodes past, I was interviewing, it was our Whole30 certified coach, Autumn Michaelis. I loved that interview. She was the mother of the five boys. Um, And in that segment, in the Nourish Yourself segment, I talked a little bit about how I did this glyphosate test. And I, I shared that it was something that nourished myself because I just wanted to to check what my levels were. And I got my results back and I wanted to share it on today's episode because I mentioned I would when I got those results back. So for people who don't know what glyphosate is, it's a chemical used in weed killer. And it's on about 75% of the foods that we're eating. And even sometimes it can be exposed on some organic foods from cross-pollination. Anyway, it can really um, cause a myriad of effects like cancer and alcohol. Alzheimer's and um, hypothyroidism and really just a lot of different disease processes. So I was just kind of curious what my levels were and I got a free test. So that clearly helped me want to do this lab. 
And I was so excited, Stephanie, that my levels were so low. They were even lower than the average of Europe's levels. And Europe actually has lower on average levels than US does. But I was so happy to see that. And I just wanted to kind of share that during our Nourish Yourself segment, because I just feel like it kind of gives me some acknowledgement for like all the hard work that I do with eating as much organic as possible, cooking a lot of my food instead of eating out, and just being very mindful when it comes to, you know, things that come into the home and using glass instead of plastic, Tupperware, it's just all these little mindful practices that I've been doing for so many years. It really does work. And it really is a testimony to, I think, just making that extra effort. So I just wanted to share that. I'm so, I'm so happy with those results. And that's what I wanted to kind of share with you and the listeners. I think that's great. And I'm glad you're really giving yourself credit and you, you definitely deserve it. I also, when you were talking about it, I was thinking of two things that our listeners, I feel, will appreciate as well. And that is just the power of your body to detoxify on its own and do what it needs to do, because no doubt you were exposed, right? Even if you are choosing organic and you're just breathing and eating and living your life and you're going to be exposed. So that just shows that your body is able to really take care of it if you're nourishing it well through all those things that you're doing. And then also just kind of calming us down as a whole in our society. I feel like our listeners specifically are so attuned to what's going on and there's a lot of kind of fear around these type of things. And of course, like you said, there are legitimate health concerns, but just understanding that if we're doing the best we can and paying attention to the food and what we're putting in and on our body, we're going to be able to mitigate that toxic burden. Great points. I couldn't agree with you more on both of them. I think it's great. Cool. Cool. So Steph, what about you? What what did you do today or what are you going to do to nourish yourself? Well, I bought a handbag, which I'm really excited about. I don't buy, I don't really buy a whole lot of accessories, right? I don't even buy a whole lot of clothes, but I wanted to get something that made me feel really confident, made me feel really good when I went to London for a talk that I'm going to do. October 13th through 14th, I'll be speaking about nutritional considerations in the postpartum period. So thrilled to be there. It's going to be a mixture of health professionals and the general public that are coming to learn this information. So that was something really exciting. And I bought it from a company. You're going to laugh. It's actually a diaper bag company (laughs) where I bought it from. (laughs) It's called Lily Jade. And I was listening to the owner, the founder of this company, and it's a mom-owned company, and they give the profits of their bags to moms that are committed to adoption, moms that are having some complicated pregnancies and things like that. And the bags are just beautiful. They're durable, and they're more my style. I'm not somebody that buys $100 bags just because they're from a certain designer. I want something that's going to be able to hold diapers for my two-year-old, who hopefully won't need them for that much longer. And just be more practical for my mom life. And so, yeah, I feel really good about it. So if you are interested in getting a cute diaper bag or even one that transitions to a purse or travel bag that carries your laptop, Lily Jade is a great company. Great stuff. Um, just so you know, because I feel like you're talking more about the handbag than 
how cool it is that you're presenting internationally. <laughs> I know. Thank you. <laughs> this is such a big deal. I mean, I'm so happy for you. And they're so lucky to have you. You're just wonderful. You're a great presenter. And I think this is just going to be such a great trip for you. I really hope that you enjoy yourself while you're there and you're not just working fully. So please enjoy London and all that it has. And I can't wait to hear about your trip. Have a great time. That's wonderful. And good job getting a bag for yourself. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So let's dive in because we have so much information on this episode. I honestly, I love this interview. I thought Dr. Brighton was really a wealth of knowledge. And I think this topic is so very important. And I don't think it's talked about enough. It's even affected you and me, Steph. So the fact that the two of us have both been affected by post-birth control syndrome, um, I think it's important that we can share with our community of mamas um, so they can really know we can relate to them. Steph, do you mind starting and sharing with us your experience? You had post-birth control amenorrhea. Yeah, I talked about it a little bit on the interview, and I'm actually more curious to hear your story because I feel like I've shared this, shared this before, and I haven't heard yours in full. But yeah, I was on the birth control pill. I started it actually because I wanted to prevent a pregnancy, which is kind of a rare thing. Most of the time, birth control pill pills are prescribed for non-contraceptive use. If you know there's a painful period or there's acne, it's just really interesting to looking at looking at the statistics there. But I wasn't engaging in sexual behaviors. I wanted to go on it. This was when I was 18 and I was on it for about 10 years. And I went off of it when my husband went on deployment because I wasn't going to be engaging in sex. And I kind of knew it probably wasn't the best thing to be on. Um, and I just never got my period back. And I talked about on the on the interview with her that I went to multiple doctors and they all kind of just brushed me off saying that it wasn't a big deal because I didn't want to conceive and just give it another couple months. And they weren't concerned about it at all. There was absolutely no preventative measures that were given as far as replenishing nutrients or doing a detox or thinking about exposures from skincare products or anything like that. I, I really just want to encourage listeners to, to you can, we kind of have to be our own best health advocate these days. Uh, if you're working with a provider that doesn't get it, or we need to be working with a functional medicine practitioner or a naturopathic doctor or another provider that gets what's going on here. And I think Dr. Brighton's book is going to be a huge asset for us so that we can feel equipped with this information. So even if we are working with a more you know, conventional doctor, that we know what needs to get done to really help us with this condition. Great. And Steph, how long did you not have your period for? It was close to two years. And right. And didn't you get pregnant with Otto not even having your period? And that's, yeah. And that's something that I talked to Dr. Amazing. I know it's something <laughs> that I talked to Dr. Brighton about. She interviewed me actually. And as frustrating as it was waiting for my period to come back, I think it was probably the best gift that I could have given myself because with every month that passed that I didn't get my period, I implemented a new healthy behavior to get my body stronger as a whole so that when mm -hmm. my period came back, I had been doing all the things, eating well, supplementing well, detoxification programs, reducing my stress, changing my exercise, getting my mind right. 
for close to two years. And that's why I think, A, I got pregnant right away because I had been doing all of that stuff for so long. And, you know, I really had a smooth pregnancy. And I don't know if that would have happened if I had gotten off the period and all of a sudden got pregnant a a couple months later. So I almost consider that a gift more than anything. Great. I think that is a gift. I think it's great. And testimony how healthy your kids are. I think that's great. Cool. So we have a similar story, Steph. I mean, I also had post-birth control amenorrhea. I started birth control at as early as 16. And it was interesting that I started so young because it wasn't for, like you said, most of the time, it's not for actual protection against getting pregnant. It was actually because my father was so scared of my sister and I getting pregnant so early he said I, he wanted us to start it. And so the doctor just gave it to us and I didn't know any difference. So I just took it. He was just like paranoid. He goes, people are getting you know pregnant so young these days. I say, but dad, I'm not even having sex yet. <laughs> He's like, but just in case oh. I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, I just, I didn't know any different. And I didn't get my period until I was 16. I was a, a, a I had more of a late onset of menarche and mostly because I was an athlete. Mm. So I was so I was lean. I was running around a lot, playing soccer, volleyball. I was just really athletic. So it it wasn't that abnormal to not get your period very often. But once I got on birth control, it just kind of normalized. And I just figured I would just keep on taking it. And it wasn't until I went to medical school. So fast forward like eight years that I even started thinking twice about, well, what is this that I'm taking every day? And so that's when I decided just personally to stop it. And I didn't get my period. I got my period about two times in a matter of three or four years. So it was a very long time of struggling with amenorrhea. And I just remembered saying, well, this is kind of convenient. So it's okay, right? right? Not getting your period or dealing with it. But as I was learning more and more um, in medical school, and I thought, gosh, having your period regularly is really a sign of optimal health for females. And the fact that I'm not getting it must mean something has to be off. And so that's when I really started investigating my thyroid, my adrenals. And I really realized that I was still underweight um, for my body type. And I don't think that I was I had enough body fat to produce enough estrogen in order to stimulate uh, menstruation. And that was really hard for me. And we haven't really t- gone into great detail about um, my personal eating disorder. And I would I would like to wait for another episode for that. But I think in that time, I had an eating disorder called orthorexia nervosa, and I had body dysmorphic disorder. So I liked staying very lean and, and I liked being this underweight level, but I also realized I wasn't getting my period with it. And so then when I really started to add more weight to my body, and I also started becoming more sexually active when I started having more of a serious boyfriend, that really all helped me starting to menstruate again. So with all that said, it was about, I would say eight years on birth control, about four years with maybe two periods until I really started getting to a healthy weight and to menstruating regularly. And that's a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, during that time, my bone density was low. I was actually during my residency, I was shadowing an endocrinologist and he said, Hey, you want to jump in and get a DEXA scan? Why not? I said, sure. (laughs) And that was actually how I found out my, my bone density was, um, borderline osteopenic. And a lot of it was because I wasn't menstruating. And I realized I really need to get my period. This is not a joke. This is really important. So a lot of it was because of the birth control. And a lot of it was also just because of my body weight. So luckily, you know, before having Aviva, I was menstruating regularly on the moon cycle, even um, for about a year or two prior to getting 
pregnant. And so there's so much you can do to get through that time and get menstruating regularly and getting your body back. And this is what we're going to kind of go over through this episode or what are the tools that you can get there? Because for both you and me, Steph, we both went through all of this. And now I would say we're in some of the best health that we've ever been and we've been there. So if a listener is listening on birth control for the last 10 years, either not menstruating or wants to get off, there are just so many things that we can do. And it's so powerful. Some of these natural therapies that we have. Oh, I totally agree. And I'm just curious, you so that you started thinking about the implications of the birth control pill when you were in medical school, but how much did they really teach you about these considerations, if any? It's a really good question. I can't remember specifically. I just remember when I was in medical school, I just started becoming so much more curious yeah. about the body. So I started just thinking twice with even the foods I ate, my lifestyle, and any medication that I was taking. So it just gave me more of a time to reflect and to start questioning. And then I obviously did some education. And I have to tell you, Steph, there's a lot of research out there that taking birth control pills for over 10 years decreases your risk for both breast and ovarian cancer. And I have an extraordinarily amount of early onset of breast and ovarian cancer in my family. And so it was actually something that I looked at to say, look, I've been on birth control now for eight years. Maybe I should stay on it for another two years. So there are times, a time and a place for it. And I think that was also another reason why my dad pushed for it early on is he wanted us to have that, that time frame to help um, decrease the rate. So you know, there's pros and cons to them. But as far as really learning something called this post-birth control syndrome or post-birth control amenorrhea, it was definitely not one of the topics in my gynecology or obstetrics class. It Because it's not really a true diagnosis. Right. I believe Dr. Bryan's right. really kind of claimed this as a syndrome. And in private practice, I see this time and time again. It's actually one of, before I went into pediatrics and I did general medicine, it was actually one of my favorite uh, syndromes to really help women because you see really quick results and it's really fascinating. So we're going to go through some of that and I'll share that with you later in the episode. Yeah. And I think the reason I ask that mostly is just to kind of encourage our listeners that this isn't something like their doctors just flaking out on. It really is a new and emerging field. And there's, there's so much that we can learn ahead of the curve. You know, it takes 17 so years before it actually becomes standard practice where we start looking into these things. So you have that window of opportunity now with the research that you're given on the podcast and with Dr. Brighton's book and, and all of that to take control before it really becomes mainstream. Yes. And that will take years. And yeah. I want to actually give you a quick example, if you don't mind, Steph. Yeah. We know there's a very, very popular drug, any statin drugs that are used for lowering your cholesterol that we know will decrease um, your body's level of CoQ10. It's in the literature. It's well known. We know that. However, many medical doctors will still give statin drugs without also recommending giving CoQ10. There's, I think, one pharmaceutical drug that combines statins with a CoQ10. It's, it's very expensive. But you see, like, it's in the literature. So every cardiologist or every primary care doctor should just always say, oh, you're going to take a statin? Go take CoQ10. It's slowly getting there. The reason why I bring this up is I truly believe that Anytime someone's on a birth control pill, they should automatically be given extra B vitamins because we know in the literature, it depletes B vitamins. And this is the kind of thing that naturopathic doctors do, but it's slow to come to the medical and conventional community. I'm not sure why, 
because it's in their journals. I mean, it's in their studies. This isn't like a naturopathic study. But these are some of the things that I think is just very important when it comes to integrative medicine is that we do know the benefits of conventional drugs, but also what the impacts and implications are so that if we know it's going to be depleting some nutrients, why not just combine it with natural therapy? And so I feel very strongly about that. And birth control is definitely one of them. Yeah. And and BS is uh, from the makers of the birth control pill, Yaz, right? That includes folate because they understand that there is a possibility that you can get pregnant while you're on the birth control pill. And we know that folate is needed often before you even know that you're pregnant. So it's, great. It, it's out there that, it, I mean, that these nutrients are depleted. We just haven't put it into practice um, right. As a whole. Or okay. as like standard of care, yeah. which it really should be. So, so anyway, that's right. just a point to make. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into the second question. So Great. Dr. Brighton mentioned that you can assume upwards of three months before you get your period back after stopping birth control pill, or for those that had a, any regular period prior to being on birth control, it can take anywhere six months or maybe even beyond. And she mentioned that medical doctors don't do much investigation prior to that time period. So what are your thoughts coming from a naturopathic doctor's perspective that's more proactive? So absolutely. This is what MDs will use as their standard of care. If someone comes in, I don't have a period. It's been three months, six months. They're like, well, just keep on watching and waiting. Yeah. And as naturopathic doctors, we're all about proactive health, right? We don't just watch and wait. We are on top of it really early on. And it's another reason why we read our lab values differently. We're not looking for, you know, the exact normal range, we look for optimal ranges in a lot of our markers. So I would say definitely as an ND, we like to be proactive. And I think a lot of the urgency really depends on just the reason why a woman wants to stop birth control. And so that also really dictates how fast or how willing we are to wait, right? So how fast we want to investigate versus how long we want to wait. And so some of those reasons could be obviously someone wants to get pregnant and, you know, you want to talk to your patient about that. You want to really assess, well, do you have six months that you want to wait? Do you want to get pregnant next month? Obviously the urgency is going to depend on that. Um, some people just want to stop birth control just because some people want to stop birth control because they're having side effects from birth control. One of the most common side effects are migraines. I, I see this often. And once someone stops their birth control pills, their migraines go away. So that could be another reason why to stop. And then some women stop when they hit menopause and they realize they don't need it anymore. They're no longer menstruating. So I think the answer to that is, I think we really start investigating just really depending on where the patient is at and what they need. But I do really recommend just being proactive because we do know that birth control pills does have an effect on the liver and your nutrient level. So why wait? You know, why not just go ahead and start? The other thing that I think is important is I really just tune into the patient and what they need. I think it's so important not to like make the patient wrong. So if like you're listening and you're interested in getting off birth control or you have already gotten off birth control and you're kind of in this like watch and wait time, you know, it's up to you to determine if you want to investigate this or not. It's not wrong or right. I just think it's important to know what the possible outcomes are and have good resources. So whether you want to start birth control or you whether you want to come off birth control, you're just well equipped to know what would be the best thing for you. Yep. I think that's that's what I would say for that answer too. And I just would add that when it comes to being proactive, it's not just, okay, you get off the pill and now let's be proactive. It's even while you're on the pill, let's think about all these things too, right? 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's go into like some of the things that Dr. Brighton um, mentioned, just so we can really support women who are taking birth control or who have recently just stopped birth control. Because I want to outline this so it's really clear for people. I know when I see adult patients, um, I would prescribe these therapies often myself. So I really agreed with a lot of what Dr. Brighton um, listed off. I think if you don't mind, Stephanie, why don't you go ahead and just review some of Dr. Brighton's recommendations so we just have a clear list for the listeners. Do you mind doing that for us? Yeah, I will. And I'll, I'll go one step further and talk about specifically what that means, right? Because sometimes, Great. you know, I, she mentioned detoxifying foods and what does that exactly look like? I have a post coming out about this that I'll link to in the show notes that go over the nutrient considerations and where you can get them. And then we're going to be creating a recipe blog with um, some really amazing recipes that are rich in the nutrients that are depleted on the birth control pill. Things like folate and B2 and B6 and B12, vitamin C, E, magnesium, selenium, zinc, all of those. But what's really interesting, if we look at it, if you're eating a Whole30 based or paleo based diet or one made up of whole foods, you're going to be getting a lot of these rich nutrients in your diet as is. And I think sometimes we can get really specific like, oh, the nutri- the birth control pill depletes zinc and, and those kind of things. And that can kind of spin us out. But if we are eating animal proteins at most of our meals and lots of leafy greens and we're having nuts and seeds and healthy fats and we are minimizing the sugar in our diet and we're choosing, you know, cleaner forms of these foods like organic and wild and grass-fed when we can, we're most of the way there, right? So not to get too caught up in the details, but it is important to know about these things, about the B vitamins, about magnesium and zinc and folate, especially if you want to conceive. Because some of these nutrients aren't in rich enough supply in our diet that we might need to supplement. And because of this, one of the things that she mentions and that I also typically recommend is taking that prenatal, especially if you're on the birth control pill, you maybe you're not thinking about conceiving right away after getting off the pill, but because we know that it is depleting all those nutrients and because you know, one of the things that you mentioned, the reasons for getting off of birth control is to get pregnant. It doesn't hurt to be on that to support that whole process. Does that does that make sense? Absolutely. And, you know, Dr. Brighton mentioned in the in the interview that we know that birth control pills, they inhibit mineral absorption. Yes. So it's just like a big reason why we want those added minerals and that it also inhibits liver detox. So why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to looking at our liver health, a couple of key things that I like us to consider are making sure we're eating enough foods that can help us eliminate, help us go poop every day. If we're not going poop every day, we are not shuttling the excess estrogen and the things that we don't want in our body out of our body. And so having those cruciferous vegetables are so important. I really like including garlic and onions as much as you can. I think beets are really great. I love dandelion tea, especially if you can do a little bit of collagen. That can be such a great nightly ritual. The collagen has glycine that can help you sleep, and then the dandelion tea can help with that detoxification. Eating enough protein is going to be really important. So what this could look like is, like talked about the tea at night, you can have beets on like a leafy green salad with some steak or whatever protein of that you like. You could have wild salmon or some kind of fish to help replete the selenium and have asparagus with that. 
as your cruciferous vegetable. You could do eggs and sauteed kale, and then looking at gut health too to really help our body eliminate and help maintain that gut health so that we are absorbing as many nutrients as we possibly can, you know, throwing in some sauerkraut with your breakfast too. Great. Perfect. All great, great ideas. Thanks, Steph. Yeah. What about you? Did I leave anything off that you are thinking about when it comes to liver health? No, it's, I think, you know, we talk a little, or at least Dr. Brighton did recommend doing, she recommends a liver detox every three to four months for her patients. And I think that that sounds great. And I think that some people can really, really use that support. And then for me personally, in my practice, I just recommend daily liver support for patients. And um, there's a great product that I recommend a lot. It has like a combination of all your B vitamins that are depleted in the birth control pill, in addition to some just great nutrients that we know are so liver detoxifying, like DIM and calcium deglucurate and some herbs like milk thistle. I know from a you know a dietitian standpoint, you have great advice. It's so true on if you're eating a whole 30-based nutrient-dense diet, you're getting so many great detoxifying foods in your diet. And if you want to just add more to supplement, you can always do that too. And so DIM, calcium deglucurate, herbs, these are all just like added bonuses. And so I like to do that with my patients. Um, If you guys are interested in this one product I love, you can go ahead and DM me on Instagram. I'm happy to share products. I I like giving people discounts just to help save money. These products are not um, inexpensive, so feel free to do that. But I just think that it's just nice to have like almost like an insurance plan, having that supplement on board, similar to the prenatal, just like why you um, recommend that as well. Yeah, and then just reminder that if you do a detoxification program and you're thinking about getting pregnant, just give yourself plenty of time. You know, Elon and I typically recommend giving yourself at least three months before trying to get pregnant if you're doing a detoxification program. Is that right? Not speaking. Absolutely. Okay. And <laughs> honestly, Steph, yeah. it's it almost like upsets me because I'm currently still nursing Aviva and I want to get pregnant again. And it's like I so want to do a detox. Yeah. Like I, I yeah. so want to, and I know I can't because that wouldn't be good for the the, the milk that I'm giving to Aviva. And it's like, if if moms who are still only wanting to get pregnant, if you're listening, please use this opportunity to do a detox now, you know, don't wait. And then of course, for postpartum moms who are spacing their kids out and they're no longer nursing, then please do a detox. I mean, that's great. You know, uh, you have that time, but yeah, it's, it's just so important to do these things well before you can't. Well, and to give you a little bit of credit, it looks like your body is doing a great job detoxifying based on <laughs> right, your lab results. Right, because the glyphosate right? levels, that's true. Thank you. Yeah. That's great. That's good to know. I appreciate that stuff. And you are, you're doing gentle t- detox every yes, day by every how day. you Well, eat. with food, mm-hmm. absolutely. And yeah. sweating and pooping. <laughs> so exactly. that's all going going well for me. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Couldn't have a full interview without the mention of poop. So right. check. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. That's great. N- next question. So. What symptoms should women look out for to know if they have post-birth control syndrome? Okay, great. So I wanted to make this very clear for people. So it's really a collection of symptoms. So a syndrome is not necessarily a disease or a diagnosis. It's a collection of symptoms. And um, this can come on as early as the day after you stop birth control, or it even can come on four to six months post breakup with your birth control. I I think that's such a cute phrase, breakup with your birth control. So just look out for these is why I want to list these very succinctly and organized. So look out for acne, thyroid imbalances, adrenal imbalances, 
brain fog, autoimmune issues, hair loss, some like gut uh, gut issues since your hormones affect all all different organs organ systems, not just your ovaries and your uterus, and possibly signs of PCOS. So what this may all look like is you're breaking out, you're tired, you're losing hair, you just like when you're waking up in the morning, you just like don't have that like umph in the morning. And maybe you go get lab work and you've got some autoimmune markers that are high. All of these things just start thinking, hey, could this have been from my prior years of birth control? Or could this have been because I'm taking birth control right now? It may or may not be the contributory factor. It could be from other sources. However, if you have been taking birth control, if you are taking birth control, or if you have in the past, it is all important to consider that it could have been a contribution from that. And now we've got ways that we can really help with it. Okay. So I'm hoping that that makes sense, Steph. Yeah, it does. And when you're explaining those, again, you're just reiterating them. I keep thinking like, what does that sound like? That sounds like postpartum. A lot of Mm. those things, right? The thyroid imbalances, the adrenals, the brain fog, the hair loss, like that shift in hormones too. So I think I'm doing way too much work in the postpartum world, but I'm like, yeah, that sounds like what happens for a lot of moms. If, you know, in that immediate postpartum period, especially if, you know, everything's not rebalancing um, and they're not getting the support that they need. But yeah, it isn't, it isn't just one thing. It's not just that you don't have your period. It, It really manifests in multiple ways. Definitely. And I mean, just think about how many hundreds of thousands of women have been on birth control, if not currently on birth control, stop it, get pregnant, go through labor, and they're just left depleted by the end because Mm -hmm. they already went into pregnancy depleted. And this is why we're both such huge advocates of very high quality prenatals because that one a day prenatal, it's not doing what it needs to because I love how Dr. Lynch said this on our podcast. He said, the prenatal is not just for baby, it's really for mom. So if you're thinking about it, the the six capsules a day, the eight capsules a day, I know it's so much. And believe me, I don't like taking it either. It's not fun. And that's why I'm so determined to find another prenatal that is even, you know, more potent and less pills, but it's not there yet, you know, but this is what we have at this time. Um, you know, we've shared our favorite prenatals, but it's so important, especially if you've been on birth control prior to conception um, or even birth control in between babies. You know, Dr. Brighton talked about the mini pill and how that's been given to nursing women and how sometimes that even puts you at higher risk for some of these complications and for postpartum depression. We just need to be aware of it. It doesn't mean it's going to happen to you. It just means that it's good that we're educated It's good that we know our possible outcomes. And what I think is so important to really stress is just knowing all of this information ahead of time um, so you can really plan accordingly. And if you don't mind, Steph, can I go through some of my lists of what I do with patients to really help assess whether or not they're one, even a candidate for birth control pills, how to even assess what your um, risks are for adverse reactions and just kind of go step by step what people can do. Is this a good time? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, great. So the first thing that I like to do is test their genetics. And Dr. Brighton spoke about this a little bit, but I really want to give them a little bit more in-depth information on like what genes that we even want to test for. So what we're testing for is we test for genes that help with our clotting or our ability to take our pretty much our blood cells and create like, um, how else can I explain this? Like when you get cut, you know, we get like a scab, you know, or when we get cut, 
it stops the bleeding. Okay, that's our clotting mechanism. Some people have genetic susceptibility that if they get cut, they'll just continue to bleed and they just continue to bleed out. So this is what clotting is in the body. Some people clot much quicker and some people clot much slower. And the majority of the population have normal clotting functions. I care about the people who are clotting much quicker because if we're clotting much quicker, this can cause more risk of stroke a heart disease and potential like ischemic attacks. Okay. This is, this is an issue. Now, most people that have these genetic susceptibilities, they're going through life and it's not a problem and it's okay. But if they end up taking birth control pills that already increase your risk of stroke and and embolism, then they're at much more risk of developing these. So the recommendation is if let's just test our genes, let's see are you one of the few in the population that has these genes? And if so, I truly, truly recommend not taking birth control. And so I want to go over these three different um, genetic abnormalities. You want to ask your doctor to test for factor five laden, prothrombin, and thrombophilia. And these are very small percentage of the population. I think uh, for factor five laden, it's estimated about 5% of the population. So one out of 20 women would have it. For prothrombin gene, it's about two to 4% of the population. So one in every 25 women. And I don't have a good stat for thrombophilia, but that does run in um, a lot of Mediterranean families, ancestry. So it's just something to consider. I have seen patients who have been taking birth control pills who do have a history of either a deep vein thrombosis or pulmonary embolism as young as like their 30s. And they just had no idea that they had this genetic uh, predisposition and they were given birth control pills. So it's just good to check that out. Okay, so that's number one. The second thing is we've already talked about it. Every woman on birth control pills, just already go ahead and start taking a good prenatal vitamin. Don't even question it. Just do it and just know that if you're taking birth control, you're taking a prenatal. The next one is I like to run labs. Just check inflammation markers, check autoimmune markers, assess the thyroid and the adrenal, just so I know that while you're on birth control, there's not these aren't shifting for any reason and it's not affecting you. So if you are on birth control, just go ahead and get these run at least once a year, if not more. The next one is really optimizing gut health. So just really safeguard your microbiome. Take a probiotic while on it. Hormones can really mess with our microbiome. And, you know, there's something that I think is important to talk about here is when we talk about birth control and hormones, that's only one type of exogenous hormones that we're pers- that we could prescribe. But this also includes people taking hormones for other reasons. Maybe they're they're going through menopause and they're taking hormone replacement therapy, or maybe it's a man taking testosterone replacement therapy, or maybe it's a woman who had to get a hysterectomy early on and is having to take hormone replacement. There are a lot of reasons to take hormone replacement, and we're just talking about birth control being one hormone replacement. So I would say doing like these recommendations for any time you're doing any hormone replacement is going to be very important. And then just to wrap it up, the final thing would be that liver detox. And we kind of briefly talked about it, how Dr. Brighton recommends doing a liver detox every three to four months for anyone on hormones. And I think that that's great. And I bet her liver detox is just great. I I don't know enough about it. Um, Stephanie, you may know a little bit more, but I love her work. I love what she does. So I bet her detox protocol is just fantastic. Uh, Like I said, I like giving daily liver support through um, this product that I love that has and herbs and just other nutrients to really help support. So that's another option. 
But just so, you know, we're giving this information just so you could be as proactive as possible and to really just be empowered with the education so you can stay informed and do what's best for your situation. And there's really no wrong or right way about this. Birth control is really important. You know, we don't want to have a lot of kids if we don't want to have a lot of kids. We don't want to have to be worried about that or stressed out about that. So maybe as a way to wrap up, Steph, what maybe we could share some of our favorite ways on how we use or what other birth control methods are are there if you don't want to take birth control pills after hearing all this information or just what other ways we can go about it? Yeah, sure. We can talk about that. <laughs> I guess, you know, there's a lot of options that you have. You can do fertility awareness. You can use a barrier. You can not have sex. You can maybe uh, use different kinds of birth control outside of birth control pills that are non-hormonal, like a copper IUD. Um, You know, for my husband and I, we didn't want to have any more kids and I didn't want to go on any birth control options. So he had a vasectomy and that was a conversation that we had. And it's not an easy one to make because I mean, he could get a reversal if we decided otherwise, but it's a, a medical procedure, right? So there there are other options that you have. I don't know how much we want to go into that with, did you have anything? No, no, but I just think it's important just that we mentioned it because, you know, I just don't want people to be scared with, oh, now they have all this information. They no longer want to be on birth control, but they still don't want to have a baby. And I think that's really important to evaluate. I truly believe that if you can follow some of these recommendations that Dr. Brighton gave, that Steph and I, that we gave on this episode. I do think you can take birth control in a healthy way. It's just being mindful about it and just knowing what your susceptibilities are. Do you agree with that, Steph? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And now there's even fun tools like Daisy that can make it you know, more engaging and interactive for you, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, no, Daisy's a great... I don't know if people don't know what Daisy is. It's like a little handheld device that can help track your ovulation. And it just takes your temperature, you put it by your bed, it's, it becomes very in tune with your cycle. Um, so I think that that's also a really great um, method to use as well. So anyway, I, I hope that this was helpful. I don't want this to be even more overwhelming. I hope my list wasn't too overwhelming stuff. Did you think it was? Because if, if not, maybe we can try to um, clarify a little bit more in the show notes. No, I mean, I think it was a really great recap. And like we said, our the, our goal is just so that you're educated and informed. Knowledge is power. Um, mm-hmm. And if there's any questions about what we talked about today, what Dr. Brighton talked today uh, talked about on her episode, she's very open to answering questions. Um, she's very active on Instagram stories, so you can head over to her platform and ask her or ask us for clarification. Um, we're we're here for you. Yeah, and I think just to wrap up with it. I actually think the reason why this is a complex topic to talk about is because it really is very individualized to a person's needs and susceptibilities and their lab markers. So if you're still at this point feeling a little overwhelmed or confused, I highly recommend you seek out either a naturopathic doctor, a functional medicine doctor, someone who can really help you with exactly what you need. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that because there's only so much we can do and talk about on two different podcasts, and you can already tell it's just so much information. I want to ensure that everyone feels really empowered by the end. Yep, it's a personal choice. There's no right or wrongs there. You got it. Yeah. All right. Um, So let's wrap up for today's episode. I want to share another amazing review. We we love these reviews, you guys. It just really makes our day. And so I want to read this one because I, I think it was really special for us. So Liz writes, 
My good friend introduced me to this podcast when my son was born, and I am obsessed. I feel like I stare at my phone waiting for a new episode to come out. Now they're doing one podcast a week. Yay! I'm so grateful for the tips and tricks shared to help me make healthy decisions for my family. Highly recommend. So thank you so much, Liz, for that sweet review. And thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the episode, please help us out by sharing our podcast with your mama friends and writing us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you enjoyed about this episode and help us grow our village. You can also visit our website at wholemamasclub.com forward slash podcast to review show notes, find past episodes, and leave comments and questions for future reviews. Please remember that the views on this podcast are not meant to be substituted for medical advice, shouldn't be used to diagnose, treat, or cure any conditions, and are intended for general information purposes only. Now go on, have a great day, and nourish and nurture yourself and your family.